Hey there, everyone, and welcome to the first ever Lord Teach Us 2 podcast. This is a project that I've had on my heart for quite some time now, but because of insecurities and making excuses and all kinds of stuff, um, I've been avoiding uh, jumping into this project. Uh, but I'm going to finally take that step and put my thoughts and ideas out there for, uh, and the goal being for encouragement, reflection, uh, even if you have disagreements, it's out there. Because uh, I'm constantly interested in learning and growing and, and getting new ideas. Um, but this podcast is the result of that journey. My goal is to offer practical actions that anyone can take to deepen their walk with Christ. Most of what will be talked about during these times will be inspired by books that I'm currently reading or have read, and that they really impacted my journey with Christ. And I'll make sure to reference those for your personal study, should you choose to go deeper and to look more into uh, the information that I'm pulling from and the ideas that I'm reflecting on and commenting on. That being said, I want to hear from you. I want to know what topics you wrestle with in your journey. What do you think you could improve on, but just may not know the steps to get there. Uh, I don't guarantee to have the answers, but I do look forward to learning and offering what I do come up with. You can reach out to me and let me know what those are by tweeting me at pstumac on Twitter or joining my Discord or catch me streaming on Twitch at stumac underscore streams. I'm not completely consistent there, but you could definitely check those out. Finally, I want to share a bit about myself. My name is Stuart, and I'm currently the pastor of youth and children at a, pa at a church in Pennsylvania. I'm married to an amazing gem of a wife, Joelle, and currently hold a Master of Arts in Religion with a specialization in spiritual formation. With that out there, I don't claim to be an expert in that realm, and honestly, I don't classify myself as a scholar. I'm a wanderer on this journey called life just like the rest of you, uh, but I am seeking to deepen seeking to deepen my own walk, much like any other committed Christian who desires to know God more and experience him deeply. At the end of the day, everything I offer here could be wrong, and I'm sure it won't take long for people to let me know that, and I welcome objections and other perspectives. I do welcome the input. All I ask is that you come alongside me as I come alongside you and encourage one another towards growth in Jesus Christ, because that's really, at the end of the day, the ultimate goal is to deepen the walk with Christ, to discuss ideas, and, you know, disagree at times, and learn how to agree to a disagree sometimes. Now, with all that out of the way, let's jump right into our topic for this podcast. As I stated before, much of that will be covered here is inspired by books that I've found to be influential on my own faith journey, and for that reason, I've decided to start you where I began, and when I embarked on my training in my undergraduate degree back in 2001. My journey towards a passion in spiritual formation began with a little book called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. This book really helped serve as a springboard for my passion in the realm of spiritual formation. Growing up in the church, I noticed that a lot of assumptions are made when it comes to addressing the church body. Calls to action for prayer, repentance, Bible reading, even commitment to salvation are thrown around with little to no explanation of what it looks like to get there, leaving a lot of people to question whether they are doing things right. I was always one who was frustrated by this reality, and to make matters worse, no one took me by the hand and showed me the way. Along those lines, anyone who's ever been in a class setting knows you don't want to be the one kid who doesn't know what the heck is going on, so no one asks questions, but simply smiles and nods in agreement with those calls and then abandons them when they get home since there's no one there to model what it looks like. 
For this reason, Foster's book was extremely helpful. It does offer insights into what disciplines of the spiritual life are meant to do. So people reading what he has to offer can at least have some insight to help guide them in their journey. So honestly, if you're looking for a good book to start you on the path to better understand the disciplines of the Christian life, I definitely recommend uh, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Um, it's just very basic understanding. It's great insight. It's um, practical. And it helps to explain a lot more than just, you know, here's how you pray or here's why you pray. It goes into different reasons why we avoid it altogether. Um, but we're going to start at the beginning. Uh, Richard Foster's very first sentence on the first page of his first chapter really serves as the inspiration for today's topic, which is going to focus on superficiality. Some people may understand or, or have heard the statement that, you know, there are people or churches or, you know, individuals out there that are an inch deep and a mile wide. Um, so they're spread thin. They, they may have a basic understanding of Christianity, but their depth is not that deep for a lack of a better term there. Um, he claims that superficiality is the curse of our age. Now, something to be aware of is that the first edition of this book was written in 1978. And this hard-to-swallow truth is just, if not more accurate today as it was back then. For those that may not know, something that is superficial is only concerned with what is taking place on the surface. The adjective on its own should be troubling to anyone as... We all should all be more concerned with the depth of what we know over the quality of the things known. Simply put, quality should always take priority over quantity. This is especially true and becomes more troubling when we talk about the areas, areas of the Christian life. For many, knowing the basics of Christianity is as far as they're willing to go, and they find contentment in that. Or maybe they don't, and they just haven't found a source to help them grow deeper. This results in a population of Christians who practice disciplines on a regular basis, but walk away empty because the practice lacked any kind of meaningful depth, which would draw them back. And I know I've been through those times, and I'm sure many others have as well, where you sit down and you pray because you know it's the right thing to do, but you don't have a lot of background or input as to why we do these things. Uh, at a basic level, you can see it as... Well, yeah, we talk with God, but why? Especially if throughout the rest of our day, we're really not tuning, turning our attention towards him. So I'm going to start with a little reflection exercise. I want you to take a moment to really think about the 21st century culture and what most people value. I want you to keep in mind that we're not trying to see others, that we're trying to see others' values and not just our own. It's, it's a challenging, if not impossible, task, but we've got to try it. Take a moment to form a list of your mind or write down what you come up with. In the social media age that we live in, surface-level images drive many of the influential figures and voices that people look up to. If we were actually to dig, you're going to be shocked at what you find. Through Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and many other social media platforms, most people are concerned about putting their best self forward. I actually recently just had this discussion with some of the youth that we work with about profile pictures and what you post on social media that you want to put the most most accurate picture or maybe the best maybe not accurate but best representation of yourself online but what that does is it avoids the truly deep and genuine experiences 
of their lives. And now this doesn't address those who overshare. There are so many videos of people that go through emotional trauma and their first instinct is, well, I need to post this on social media. We'll cover that in another time, but the reality here is that we want our best self to be out there. People have replaced the quality of relationships with a craving for a quantity of followers and likes to find meaning in life. So we've really made all of life superficial and we're all subject to it, subject to it. News organizations have fully learned to utilize the reality that people don't go deeper by the way they present headlines. They put together an eye-catching headline knowing that 21st century people won't actually read the article and then they'll hide the truth in an obscure way. Even this podcast, while aiming to be transparent and real, and I'll try my best not to edit it all that much, but it's going to be edited, it's going to be rehearsed, it's going to be retaken uh, to make sure that it comes across clear in order to avoid any kind of awkward silence and stumbling over words and phrases, which I will do quite regularly because my mind gets ahead of my mouth a lot of times. And as much as we hate to admit it, we're all aiming at putting our best selves forward while avoiding the intimacy of genuine, messy human interaction in an effort to avoid people getting to know the real us. It can be scary to let people in. It can be scary to put our real selves out there. And that's one of the reasons in my own life this podcast has taken so long to start. Because there's a lot of insecurities, a lot of fears. I hate rejection. I hate being criticized. But it's something that in order to take a step forward in boldness, I'm acting on. Um, So it takes a lot to put yourself out there, especially in a world where criticism is everywhere. Uh, more so than it used to be. And with our connection online, it's hard to get away from it. Now, let's transfer this mindset to a Christian culture. We should never be content with a superficial Christian life. Actions such as praying daily, going to church regularly, and fasting during Lent should never be neglected, but the actions themselves aren't an indication of one's spiritual depth. We've got to be willing to go deeper We've got to gain a better understanding of our motivation for performing the actions in the first place. We have to recognize that the true depth of one's spirituality can only be measured in the why of Christian discipline and not in the what. Actions without a fully reasoned heart are meaningless and benefit no one. So what do I mean by that? And by that I mean specifically the why and the what. When I talk about the what of Christianity... I'm referring to those actions and ideas that are typically associated with being a Christian. So in practice, this will be prayer, Bible reading, church attendance, service, attending services, uh, whatever else you can put in that category. It's the outward actions. It's the what defines a Christian. In ideology, this means understanding that stealing, lying, having idols, and murder is wrong. So doing the right things, thinking the right things. These are all good and proper at their base, and for people like myself who really love lists and a measure of success uh, in order to measure our success, it makes Christianity easy, but unfortunately it makes it shallow and works-based, which is simply not good enough. It's also important to note that if Christian practice and morality is easy, it's not worth having. And that's something that we here in the 21st century struggle with. We want things to be efficient, we want things to be easy, but the reality is that if we've made it easy then we've reduced it to to nothing. Now, before you shut the podcast off, please hear me out. 
it's a tough pill to swallow, but we've got to hear this, including myself. And, you know, I have receipts to back up the fact that even God doesn't put up with those mainly focused on the what of relationship with him. Let's start with Micah 6, 6 through 8, where God brings a case against his people with rhetorical questions. He says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is just a beautiful passage, all just in all. It just is. And maybe one day I'll put some more focus into looking deeper at this passage of Scripture. But um, the reality there is saying, you can do all the right things, but it's just not enough. Then in Isaiah 29, 13, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. So even in Isaiah, there was an understanding that you can't just say the right things. You can't just repeat the mantras. You can't just, you know, recite passages of scripture or say the right words in prayer. It has to go deeper. Then in Mark chapter 18, verses 17 to 27, we have the story of the rich young man who came to Jesus wondering what it took to inherit eternal life. The man upheld the laws against man, but neglected to address the idolatry of his heart, which put wealth above God. Finally, one of my favorites, Matthew 23, where Jesus lays into the Pharisees about their superficial spirituality with his seven woes that he charges them with. He confronts their external righteousness, which lacked heart, leading to the conclusion that they were nothing but whitewashed tombs looking good on the outside, but full of death and decay internally. Just the image that has come, and I didn't write it down, I'm not sure if it's in this passage, I forget exactly, but where Jesus confronts him and says, you know, you tithe your mint and your cumin, but you ignore the weightier measures of the law, like justice and mercy. So when you put that imagery in place and you think of these religious leaders sitting down and counting out the exact number of mint leaves that have to be tithed to God or those, the little cumin, uh, I don't know what they, pods or whatever they are, that or even the spice as they're measuring out exactly 10%. But when it came to justice and mercy, forgiveness and compassion, they lacked those things. And this provides just a sampling of God's disdain for the superficial life of the spirit. No action in this life is ever going to make up for the why of the Christian life, which I'm going to take some time to explain now what the why is. Uh, a few years ago, I remember sitting through a Sunday school class that somebody led about C.S. Lewis, and um, they were addressing the reality of how focused, and this would have been back in the 20th century, people were on science. And, you know, they could take, and they use the example of making a cup of tea. And science could tell you at what temperature the molecules start to break down and they start to cause water to boil and what happens when the tea bag goes in and things like that. But what science can't address is, the why. Why was the tea being brewed in the first place? And I think the same thing goes into practice with the Christian life. 
So when I speak of the why of the Christian life, I'm referring to the heart of everything we do, think, and believe. This could be referred to as the motivation of our actions, but I think it needs to go deeper. It needs to really look at that difficult-to-explain draw that keeps bringing us back to God. That yearning for something more that keeps drawing us into Him. That depth within man that truly calls out for the infinite depths of God. Once again, back to Richard Foster's book, he pulls from Psalm 42 to make this precious point. Through this psalm of desperation, uh, the writer, which, who is one of the sons of Korah, expresses his longing for what he knows to be real, but appears to be lacking. He remembers the acts of going to the temple and the joy it brought him. Now in exile, he believes true intimacy with God is lacking. He misses the intimacy of God that goes beyond the actions and acknowledges in verses 1 and 7, that there is something deep within that yearns for the depths and sustainability of God. For the sake of hearing the cry of the heart of this author, it's important for us to hear this psalm and the one that follows in their entirety, since that's how they were first written. So I do want to take time to read through these two psalms because I just think they're so precious to our discussion. And so beginning Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, in my God. Then, Psalm 43, Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with a lyre, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The beauty of these psalms lies in the fact that the author really pulls back the layers of what he's experiencing. There's obviously a great turmoil raging within as he wrestles with the reality of who God is against how he currently feels with regards to God seeming to be distant. 
Constantly, he returns to the question of why are you downcast, O oh my soul, in recognition of the fact that the surface layer feelings are not in line with the depth of heart truth about who God has always been. This author truly understood there was a depth within him calling out for the very depths of the truth of God's character, and he wasn't content in allowing those superficial feelings to remain as truth when it contrasted directly with who he knew in his heart that God was. And we all wrestle with this. If we really take time to think about it, if you're raised in the church, you know what you've been taught. But then we have to deal with those pesky emotional feelings within that constantly want us to feel different about what we know in our heads. It almost comes across as if what we're feeling is more real than what is the truth behind who God is and how he, he operates. And we have to admit that 21st century people aren't good with this. We get stuck on our feelings and have no way of knowing that we need to dig beneath them to get to the root of what is actually going on. Not only that, but even if we do know that those actions need to be taken, we've got no clue how to do it. We'll take our first instinct or feeling as truth and natural course and run with it instead of pulling back the layers to get to the root of what is actually bothering us, resulting in the moral decay of a society. One of the things that I learned through my seminary training is the reality that typically when there's an anger that we have, we just go with the anger and never question, okay, what is making me respond this way? Like, what is it deep down that I'm so upset by? What am I challenged by? What is, what is this threatening in my own life? And we have to be willing to take that step to dig deeper. On a Christian level, we perform the ritualistic actions without heart and wonder why it seems God's so apathetic, distant, and dull. The Christian life has lost its heart, which makes it empty for many, uh, because we're not good with explaining the passion that we have. Paul was onto something when he says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's Romans 8, 26-27. This is a depth issue. We simply know we are lacking something, but wrestle with what that something is because we don't dig. Sometimes the best thing we can do with prayer is sit down and say, I don't know what to pray for, but I know I'm feeling a kind of way about this subject, whatever that subject might be. And we need clarity from God in order to really find out what's happening. This process all begins by asking simple questions like, what is it that I'm lacking? And what's a need that has to be filled that's that's missing? What, what void do I feel like there is in my life? And what ideas or understandings of who God is could be a hurdle to my emotional response? This is why many times prayers are answered without our knowing it because we aren't really aware of what we actually need in our lives. So we tend to overlook blessings. Now, this is where I hope I can help. When studying for ministry, one key idea that really stood out was when I was going through a hermeneutics course, which is just a fancy way of saying a class focused on properly studying the Bible. During that class, it was impressed upon me about the importance of the so what of biblical study. While we have cultural context and proper understanding of Greek or Hebrew, if we're unable to properly apply those truths to today's Christian and non-Christians, it's irrelevant. Or it, 
and make it relevant, then it's a waste of time and it's going to fall on deaf ears. That's why I hope to offer the so what when addressing these things in order to make it applicable. Whenever I take time to prepare for a sermon, I spend a lot of my time looking at what was the context that this passage took place in. Why are they writing this in the first place? Because obviously they were dealing with something at that time. So we need to know the questions that are being asked so we can see, okay, is this a right comparison to what we're going through today? And that's how we take scripture and move it from first century uh, Jewish culture into 21st century American culture. Because the struggles of humanity haven't changed, it's just the picture of them may be a little different. And that's why a lot of people will say that, you know, Scripture has answers for everything we're going to deal with to some degree. And when we say that, we're dealing on the human level, not so much on the, the issue itself. Because we're always wrestling with the same stuff. To begin with, we have to start with the focus, uh, with what the focus has been, which is superficial Christianity. And this is in dealing with how to go deeper and how to really plunge the depths of what's going on. We have to answer the basic question of what Christian practices do I exercise? Why am I exercising them? And what's their ultimate goal? If your answer to any of these is because it's the right thing to do or I have to in order to please God, then you've, you're off base. Um, that's not the right motives. That's You don't do it just because it's the right thing to do. Uh, there's got to be a lot more depth to the reason behind what we're doing. If it's anything else, then you may be a step ahead of a lot of people. If you're wrestling with the answers to these, then that's okay too. And you're actually the audience that this podcast is geared towards. Keep wrestling. The spiritual walk is not one you get out of without any scars, nor is it one you travel through with absolute clarity. Sometimes the path is foggy or even just pitch black, but those are good things. And one day we'll get to talking about a dark night of the soul and things like that, because that's a really fascinating look at uh, the reality of the Christian walk. But take a moment to specifically list Christian practices that you are actively pursuing and answer honestly why you do them and what the end game is for them. Once you have that list of actions, ask yourself, how can I deepen these practices? What would it look like for me to hold a truly deep relationship with God in my prayer life, Bible study, church attendance, whatever it might be? What do I think is hindering me from going deeper? You know, I can give you an example for, you know, just seeking, for example, spiritual gifts, uh, things like that. Sometimes you are fearful of what others may think or what change it might have in your life if you were to actually commit to a life of obedience to Christ. You know, when you have statements throughout Scripture that deal largely with, you know, if for those who want to gain their life, they must lose it. It's about sacrifice. It's about dying to old ways. And sometimes we've become so safe and comfortable with those ways that we're terrified of what life will look like without them. This can be relationships. This can be addictions. This can be anything anything in our lives that we've put so much value. It's like when you're a toddler or an infant and the time comes where there's a blanket or a, a stuffed animal that was always precious and cherished that you just couldn't sleep without. And then one day mom or dad or somebody, because it's raggedy and disgusting, throw it out or say it's time for this to go or we need to donate this. 
you have a real struggle letting it go because of the security it brings. But sometimes in our lives, we've got to let those things be taken from us. But more importantly, the questions that we ask are meant for us to evaluate our expectations and reason whether we're being realistic or not. Many of us have roadblocks to our spiritual walk, and sometimes we're not realizing why they are there because we've never dug to figure it out. Why is overeating a security measure? What is that helping me cope with? What is that helping me deal with? If it's something that's severe like drug addiction or sexual addiction, what is it that I'm lacking that's pushing me to to reach out in that way? What was What do I feel I didn't have enough of growing up? And now's your opportunity to do that. If, for example, you believe your prayer life to be dull and repetitive, reciting lists over and over again, try to pinpoint if the hurdle to going deeper is a lack of knowledge about prayer, an abundance of fear uh, in terms of whether you don't trust God enough with handling a situation or what's going to happen if God's answer to prayer is opposite of what you're really looking for. Uh, For example, in my own life, my father passed away back in 2007. And in the midst of prayer, you know, you, he was diagnosed with cancer and was given two months to live. And in the midst of all of that, obviously people pray that God would step in and that God would heal and that God would bring the person back to, to full health and capabilities. But as I saw my father deteriorate, sometimes the best source of relief and healing is to end suffering. And so while it was tough to go through at the time, the reality is that the best method of healing was to end the suffering that my father was going through. And it, it happened quickly. We didn't have to watch my father stop eating. We didn't have to watch him just get smaller and smaller and suffer more and more uh, because of how quick it was. And that's hard for a lot of people to accept, but sometimes we have to be willing to realize that God's answer to prayer is not our answer. It's not what we want. Another thing it could be is just a worry of improper practice. What if I'm going to do it wrong? You have to decide that for yourself, though. You have to look and say, okay, what is it in my own life that I'm that's keeping me from going deeper? If you're still stuck, reach out to your pastor or a spiritual elder for a chat to help you discover whatever that block may be. In some cases, simply changing the style of prayer you're practicing can mean a world of difference. I'm guessing many of you aren't aware that there are more ways to pray, but we'll cover that at a later time because the methods of prayer are limited by your imagination. In another book, Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton, she captures this issue to depth beautifully as she addresses a key question that I think should form the heart of everything we do in the spiritual walk. Using the imagery of Jesus' interaction with the with blind Bartimaeus from Mark 10 and others, she focuses on the question that Jesus asks of those who sought miracles from him. In verse 51, after Bartimaeus got Jesus' attention, Jesus, Jesus calls the man over and asks, what do you want me to do for you? It's this question that should be at the center of every prayer, meditation, church service, or any other practice where we aim to meet Jesus. We've got to be willing to dig down into our deepest desires, ask this question, and unflinchingly voice them as we seek to interact with the King of Kings. Ultimately, our goal in the spiritual life is to live in such a way that is pleasing to God. As we close out this first podcast, I feel the words of Foster are fitting. He writes that the life 
that is pleasing to God is not a series of religious duties. We have only one thing to do, namely to experience a life of relationship and intimacy with God, the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And he quotes James 1.17 there. Going deeper in the Christian life is priority number one. If we're just coasting through life and doing the bare minimum by, you know, praying over meals, showing up to church each Sunday, and not really ministering, then we're not truly following the call to be obedient to Christ. And I want to close each podcast with with a prayer for you, for all of us, as we aim to go deeper with Christ. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can't even begin to thank you for the work that you're doing in this world and in your people. We recognize that you desire a deeper relationship with your children, and we want to take the time to acknowledge that we have played a large part in not seeking that deeper relationship with you. As we go through this week, we ask that you grant us the desire and courage that we need to dig deeper into why we don't devote ourselves to you more fully. If it be for fear or lack of knowledge, we ask that you would strengthen our faith and motivation to dig deeper. We acknowledge that without you, we're incapable of this, and we just ask that you guide us in this journey. We are all on together. Please be with us in all that we do as we seek to glorify your name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in to the first of the Lord Teach Us Two podcast. And next time we're going to be looking at sin, which was a much deeper dive than I thought it would be. Uh, We're going to focus a lot on what it is, and uh, it'll probably be a two-parter. So I definitely encourage you to uh, listen uh, when that comes in. My goal is to have these up maybe every other week, uh, so just keep an eye out for it. And I would love to hear from you. Uh, You could also email me at pastorstumac at gmail.com if you would like to offer any insights, questions, disagreements. Um, I would love to engage with you uh, in that. So until next time, guys, in the words of Jesus himself, just remember, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So be blessed. And until next week, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Take care.